0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the Noise Podcast. I'm your host slash your boy, Chris Pierre, and I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Sam, how are we this evening?
1: Oh, I am excellent, my man. I am very, very well indeed. It's a Sunday evening where I'm
0: not hungover, so it's great for me, Uh, and I've had a a very productive day usually. If we did do this on a Sunday under normal circumstances, it would be a difficult time for us. As I think I've described several times on the podcast before, actually. Um, But yeah, it's nice to be sitting here and not having to think about the impending doom that's been surrounding me all day. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Mate, I'm just amazed. Like you say, you have a productive day. Um, hang, hungover hangover, you is not remotely productive. I
0: know. Yeah. Today, I have been to the gym. I have been to my sister's house. I've also uh, done the final module of what of a banking course that I'm doing. I'm now ready to sit the exam. Um, and I've I've played. I finished Metal Gear Solid Two, man. Because uh, basically, wow. basically, uh, my PS3. I'm going to unplug it for the last time uh, in about a week or so. How come? Cool. Um, Because WWE Network's been taken off it, so I see. outside of WWE Network that I can put on and fall asleep to in the background, there's literally no more use for that PS3 now. Especially the fact that like Sony have, have discontinued it pretty much, uh, and I'd imagine the PlayStation Plus server's going to be turned off in about a year or so. So what I wanted to do was, because Metal Gear Solid 2, 3 and 4 are like, it probably, in my top five favourite games of all time, wanted to play through each of them one more time before I unplugged it like. But Metal, yeah. Ga- Metal Gear Solid 3, I-, I played through and got the Platinum on it uh, not that long ago. So I did, did two and four. Well, and four I'll be starting... Just have to finish recording this podcast actually. And two is just amazing, man. Like I don't know whether you ever played it. Like I don't, I don't think Metal Gear was ever like your cup of tea, but for me, like I just adore it. And Metal Gear Solid Two starts on. It starts in New York, and it's based around like the Hudson, yeah, and that which we walked over. Just sick, like. Um, so that was fucking great for me today but instead of that, we'll move we'll move on. In the running order for today's show, we're going to go through the news. We're going to go through the, through the next five albums on your greatest metal albums of all time list. Yep. We'll talk about new singles from Diaries Murder and Slipknot. And in terms of album reviews, we had a request from uh, Kev Russell, who does seem to be quite a fan. So thank you, Kev. He said that he'd like to hear what our thoughts are on Frank Carter and the Rattlesnake's new album. Don't worry, Kev, I have a few. (laughs) Which we'll be doing. And the new album from Heart of a Coward as well, which we'll be reviewing. So two, again, uh, much like last week, two quite disparate styles there. Oh, very much so. And we'll grind it down for you and tell you what's good and what is bad. Um, Before we get into the news, noise.bigcartel.com. we're still going. um, T-shirts and beanie, £15.50 remember that and um, we're now available on all podcast platforms apart from spotify i did say that we be available on spotify on the last episode but um i've spoke to paul and he seems there's a few teething issues there in terms of uploading everywhere spotify seems reluctant at the moment so every platform apart from spotify itunes stitcher radio audio boom mm-hmm. google play we're everywhere man um thanks to everyone for their support so far uh, we're loving doing this again well i can certainly say for myself i love doing this oh again. absolutely And uh, every listen that we've had so far, it really means a lot to us. And even for Kev Russell, who's commented on a few episodes, like again, thank you for your support. It really does mean a lot to us. We've got shit-tons in the pipeline. Loads of really cool interviews coming up. So uh, get on board now so you can say, I was there at the beginning. You can be one of those edgy guys.
1: (laughs) When we we eventually headline download. When they eventually replace me with somebody that swears less, I'll be one of those edgy guys. Yeah, I was the original. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I always like to start off the episode with like something fun that I've found. And Sam, I have found a list of the richest people in music uh, in 2019. Well, I, I'm guessing this looks through 2018, but it's been released in 2019. Okay. <laughs> Mate, there are some interesting names on this. It was done by uh, the Sunday Times, but what, okay. cre- what creased me, uh, I, couldn't, I, just, I couldn't get the thought out of mine. Tom Jones is 15th on this list.
1: Wow. (laughs) Right.
0: And I started like giggling to myself because I thought, holy shit, man, what has that guy done since like 1990? And his value has gone up by two million. Who is purchasing Tom Jones' music (laughs) in 2018? (laughs) That's the voice that is. I mean, Um, I guess, but does he's... Pushing through. But like, for the audience that watch The Voice, I really can't imagine Tom Jones being a massive selling point.
1: I mean, we
0: no, all know. know
1: who he is, like, but... No, I, I, I agree. I just think... Imagine you're watching The Voice and then Tom Jones is there and you're like, oh, who's that guy? And then the, everyone keeps talking about how much of a legend he is. And, and, and I guess you sort of go away and stream his music or buy Sex Bomb or whatever the <laughs> next step is. <laughs> whatever the next step is. Um, because I'm guessing a, that there's a, a section of the audience who watched The Voice who, prior to watching it, probably didn't know who he was. So maybe it's maybe it's boost that salesmanship. but the fact that he's top fifteen, oh, I think, is extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mate, it took me for six. Do you think "Sex Bomb"
0: would be his, would be a problem in this day and age? Um,
1: they would probably ask him to put an asterisk in it, and when he did like the Radio <laughs> One version, he'd sing "Sax Bomb" and the deal. Be- <laughs> And there'd be a bloke playing the horn. Who <laughs> <laughs> would interrupt the video at various oh points when the call is Oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <Sat-bomb. laughs>
1: That's what I think would happen. And I think, oh. and, it, uh, and I think for a certain subject the audience would have a very different oh. meaning.
0: Fucking hell. <laughs>
1: right, that was amazing. I'm crying. Um...
0: <laughs> Just to run through uh, the list, Uh, Brian May was seventeenth on the hundred and sixty million. Fucking
1: love, fucking love Brian
0: May. Um, Number one was Andrew Lloyd Webber.
1: Hold Um, on, what? So Andrew Lloyd Webber's made more money in the last year than like Adele. Up
0: up eighty million from twenty eighteen, Andrew Lloyd Webber.
1: What? What
0: has he done? That's astonishing. (laughs) Oh yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, All that musical money. Paul McCartney, as you'd expect, uh, was okay. second, yeah. seven hundred and fifty million. U uh, two third, Elton John fourth, Mick Jagger fifth. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it's quite interesting. Michael Flatley was ninth, wasn't this?
1: Expe- Michael Flatley, <laughs> dance, Michael Flatley. Yeah, what, it's total earnings, Chris. I, I, refuse to accept that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's has- total earnings. I'm okay, pretty okay, sure it's okay, total earnings. Feel better, like who the fuck is rushing out to Irish jig <laughs> <laughs> in the last eighteen months? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or just YouTube clips after Chandler talks about it on Friends Read. Yeah. I don't
0: that, understand. And that's why I was so surprised by Tom Jones, because his value's gone up by two million. So I was that's like, a... who the fuck's buying Sex bombing in fucking 2018? But um, yeah, some, sure. some, okay. some interesting ones. I expected Ed Sheeran to be higher than this, man. Ed Sheeran's 17th. Uh, Robbie Williams is okay. 13th. Mm, caught me off guard.
1: Bloody uh, hell. Uh, Angels uh, is still a, still a big seller, though, isn't it?
0: The thing is, like, what, what, what made me laugh is that, like, <laughs> Robbie Williams is like higher than any take that member like by like he's much higher than yeah, Gary Barlow yeah. <laughs> Gary Barlow's like 38th which is again, oh, wow. um interesting I guess I suppose good decision by Robbie Williams to fuck off
1: yeah, Robert, if I was Robbie Williams I'd be emailing screenshots of that to Gary Barlow
0: interesting <laughs> interesting for me and you to discuss though, just quickly Aussie um, and Sharon Osbourne so I guess this is combined but um, 22nd they've gone up by 5 million so, me and you, kind of like, oh, man, Aussie, please stop this,
1: but... His bank account is like, please continue this.
0: Yeah, up by five million in a, in a year. So, I yeah. guess, I mean, I don't know. Oh, not- no, I know, I know, I it, know. It's 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 a moneymaker, isn't it, the tours? Not great for his musical legacy, in terms of his performance uh, ability, but, like you said, his bank account ain't worrying about nothing.
1: Absolutely. I, I guess you're not getting any... Uh... Not getting any younger, and and no one really pays you for legacy, do they? They're just people like me and you say nasty things about you, and I think you'll live.
0: That conversation was worth it just for sax bomb. I'm, I'm really glad we did that.
1: I, I, there's a parallel universe where that's a real thing, and um, fucking hell. Sad, was I don't, I'm sad we don't live in that parallel universe. <laughs> that <quite>. was amazing. <laughs> uh, I did want to discuss with you
0: actually a new Tool album, which has actually got a date, which is a massive yes, thing, which is a massive thing for a lot of people. Not really for me, like prog rock is not something that I. Uh, really have the patience for more than anything else. Yeah, no. So Tool, really, because they're not on streaming platforms, and I would have completely missed the boat on Tool. Like, when Tool, their last album came out, like, 2006. That's right, yeah. I wasn't even into... I I, I was, like, still off the back of Green Day back then. My musical tree had not branched out anywhere near uh, Prog Rock. So, you tell me, man, how big of a fan are you of Tool?
1: I really like Tool and I have a great deal of respect for them. Um I I, I listened to Ten Thousand Days, um, about a year after it came out in two thousand and seven and I and I couldn't I couldn't get into it. Like I was thirteen, do you know what I mean? Like it was it was it was it was too much for me. Um but since I've gone back and, and there's a few really good songs on that. I think Tool are a brilliant band, I think. Like, they're really talented. Their songs are like pieces of art at times and i think they've got a sound that that nobody else can replicate and they've stuck to stuck to who they are in terms of the streaming stuff i think i think that's set to change over the next few months though i mean like they've um they've made an appearance on spotify apparently there's a spotify profile of them knocking around with no music yet and the same with apple music so i'm assuming that when the new album drops the, the, the sort of platforms will start falling with it, which makes sense in twenty nineteen you've got to get up or get out of the way. Um but I, I have I have massive respect for Tool who are one of those bands uh who nobody really thinks of when you think of the greatest metal bands ever, but they're incredibly influential within metal and incredibly respected and they've got a, a real hardcore subsection of fans. Like if you meet a Tool fan and insult Tool it's like a problem. I like that that. This. But yeah, like they'll really defend those ba- that band to the death. It's sort of like Dream Theatre fans, or prog metal fans in general actually are really ardently in favour of their bands, but I think Tool are just a really, really intelligent, really unique band, and I think if you're into them, it's sort of like a ride or die thing so what are you expecting you expecting like
0: like something that differs a little slightly to 10 thousand days how do their albums are they like david bowie like one minute one album sounds completely different to the to the next but still within the confines of prog rock
1: yeah so they have like um they have a sound that's like notoriously tall and, and typically tall and uniquely tall they have like a tribal drum sound um like sort of like a thumping bass line. And this really quite unique, clean guitar sound that mixes in. It's like you can hear a cool guitar sound and you know that it's them. It's like sort of grungy, um, but it's got this sort of sharpness to it as well. And then the clean sound that they have is like sort of echoey and dissonant. And they mix all that together. And then, of course, the the vocalist who's sort of not heavy, heavy. uh, He's quite a high, 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 high range sort of singer, sort of this light falsetto style so that that those elements will still continue but i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised in any sort of direction that they take to be honest um tool have been known to be incredibly experimental um within the confines like you say of prog metal but within the confines of of tool type prog metal it will sound like a tool album if that makes sense it will sound like you you will know that it's tool i just don't exactly know what that will be really i I listened to um because I'm actually looking forward to this album. I, I think with the third, rather than Guns N' Roses with the 14 years, and you thought, oh, well, it's just Axl Rose fucking about, really. This this feels like it could be 13 years where they've agonised over this album, and that's one of the reasons that they they don't release albums because they don't want to keep up with anything. They release albums to feel it was right. So I even watched the YouTube like a day unveiled one of the songs live, and it sounded it sounded really good. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. It'll sound like a tool album. I just have no idea how 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 far that will go from that point onwards, but I think it's going to be really good.
0: That's awesome, man. I really hope they put it on Spotify. Uh, to be Me honest, too. because because, as we've discussed on previous episode, like, I haven't got means for, a C- for it to put a CD in anywhere. Yeah, you have if to find, put it like, playlists
1: with them on and stuff like yeah, that,
0: I think. Yeah, man. If, if they don't put it on Spotify or there's no YouTube playlist of it, I'm not going to be able to hear it. So, hopefully, they put it on Spotify. And I'll be interested to check it out. I've never listened to a Tool album before, mostly because it, you can't. <laughs> yeah. it's not on Spotify, etc. So, I, um, I'm really interested in this, man. I, I think... Prog rock ain't massively my thing, but if they're like the kings of it, then no I better place for me to start, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we will
0: be checking back in when that album is out. Now, final thing I wanted to mention on the news, Sam, uh, was the... Did you hear the news about the Glastonbury metal stage?
1: No, I did not.
0: Really fucking cool, man. I remember when Metallica headlined Glastonbury and I thought, ooh, are they, like, dipping their toe in and seeing, like, how interested people are in metal at at Glastonbury? And, you know, Metallica pulled in a huge crowd, surprise, surprise, uh, played a fucking superb set, and now here we are. Uh, I remember last year they had, like, the Earache stage, which uh, had Napalm Death on, and other bands which do escape my memory for the time being. But uh, this year, it's fucking sick, man. They've added a a list of bands that... Really great exposure for them... They absolutely did not need to do this to sell out. It's Glastonbury, for God's sake. But the fact that they are willing to just give us a voice and give us somewhere, uh, give us a a platform for bands to be on the biggest festival in Britain. Uh, Absolutely. We've got got bands: Gajira, Venom Prison, The Damned, Employed to Serve, Entombed, uh, Black Futures, Heavy Lungs, Jamie Lenman, and a few others as well. But hey, man, for a start, what a list of bands to put on.
1: Absolutely. And what an opportunity to Venom
0: Prison. What a great opportunity Venom Prison and Employed to Serve, two bands that we have both got behind massively on this podcast. More Employed to Serve than Venom Prison. But still, what a, what a great stage. And man, Glastonbury do not need to do this. So it's, it's really cool, man. And that Metallica headline set seems like it's really opened the doors, as you'd expect. For metal to have a voice at Britain's biggest uh, music festival and one of the world's biggest music festivals as well, it's worth pointing out.
1: I completely agree, and I think it's a really nice move from Glastonbury. Like you said, he didn't have to do this. They're 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 going to get eighty thousand people turning up at Glastonbury, regardless if they put um, Metallica on or Arctic Monkeys or or Billie Eilish or whoever they're going to put in the next like five years. They could put on legitimately anybody, um, and they would they would fill they would fill festivals. So it's nice for them that they that Michael Evis is trying to appeal to a lot of, a lot of different vibes with with metal as well, and he's been famous for trying to have create a festival in in Glastonbury that caters for everything, and and by and large it does. If you listen to any pop music or contemporary music at all, um, there's something for you at Glastonbury, and I like the idea that if you if you like a bit of a headbang, you can actually have a good time at Glastonbury as well because it has felt at times that glastonbury's been the sort of festival of the middle classes the sort of people that would turn their nose up at heavy metal and i remember i remember joking and metallica were playing like you can you know you can imagine all the all the guardian readers with their like their leaf shoes and all that sort of stuff <laughs> like uh, like sort of like turning their nose up at the at the idea of being played master of puppets and all that sort of thing like what's this um but i like the idea that it's actually catering to uh, another demographic because it's catered to everybody else We've had, we've had rap artists, we've had funk artists, we've had country artists, we've had everyone from um, like Jay-Z to Bruce Springsteen to, to Metallica, and now, now we're getting Venom Prison. I think that's phenomenal.
0: It really is, man. What an opportunity for those bands and the fantastic uh, decision by Glastonbury that I massively, massively back. Uh, best luck to those bands there because um, that would be, you know, if, if they get 100 people uh, walking past thinking that sounds interesting in there, then job done, yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So Sam, let's move on to uh, your greatest metal albums of all time list. Uh, just give us a quick rerun, if we can, of the yes. last of the last five that was discussed.
1: We spoke about Parkway. Well, did Parkway Drive, Deep Blue, Bring Me the Horizon, If There Is a Hell, Disturbed, The Sickness, and Chocolate Starfish by Lip Biscuit.
0: Superb. And what is coming next on the list, Samuel?
1: Enter Shikari Take to the skies.
0: Oh, I was not expecting this. <laughs> okay um, right, mate the floor is yours i love this album go
1: um on top of being a, a superb album um n- me another contemporary metal album in the last 15 years that even remotely sounded like this
0: Zilra, Zira, Zilra? <laughs> Zilra. zero, zilro. <laughs> as a mixture of zero and nil if you didn't figure that out uh, <laughs> yet yeah, that is zero
1: um and since since enter shikari brought it tight to the skies um They've, they've really set a blueprint, haven't they, for sort of electronic metal political commentary sort of stuff um, that, that, has, that has sort of resonated over the last 15 years. Um, whereas Limp I I thought was, was a brilliant, it was a brilliant album, massively playing part of a genre and things like that. Um, I'll put I'll put Enter Shikari up there because I genuinely think it's a landmark album for a a, a specific genre and a specific group of people. And considering it was a debut album, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And I, I just think, I think it is exceptional. It's an exceptional piece of artwork. And it is so fucking unique and out of the out of the way of everything else that was going on at the time. I had to give its appropriate kudos because in 20, 30 years, if you talk about that period of metal between 2000 and 2010, and to to the Skies is one of the most unique and low-key influential metal albums that have been written during that period of time. And I think we're going to continue to mention it as such. And if and if we don't, we should be mentioning it as such because it is a genuinely brilliant, brilliant album. And, and, and at times a work of real genius.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the only thing that I need to add to what you said is tell me five more songs that get played from the modern era and more in metal clubs And Sorry You're Not A Winner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a reason for that. Yeah, it's, it's iconic. It's iconic. Um, and I think uh, Mothership is extraordinary. I oh, think Johnny oh Sniper... Oh, my.
0: I love that song.
1: And, and Johnny Sniper's brilliant. Um, and uh, it's... No no band came out like Enti Shikari during that period, and no real band has ever done it since. And there's been a few copycats, there's been a few bands that... But the synth thing became really popular for a few years. We'd have no, no Enti Shikari, we'd have we wouldn't we wouldn't hear that sound at all and that's become incredibly popular and increasingly popular over the of the last few years. Uh, just it just stands out to me above all all of the metal bands, all of the metal bands in the last 15 years that is like in and of itself it's it's in, it's a Luggetown category in terms of the the sound.
0: Uh what's next on this bro?
1: Event uh, Sevenfold Wake in the Fallen. Oh man.
0: Fault yeah,
1: right album. Yeah, it really really is. Um I think it, it, set, it set the pathway where I thought Avenged Seven Falls started to become uh Unholy Confessions, chapter four, uh, Second Heartbeat, which is just an incredible song. Love that song. Um I think Avenged have, have, have written two two blindingly brilliant metal albums and this is this is this is absolutely one of them. And again, if you look at this is this this section is a collection of the best albums of the two thousand to 2012-15 sort of period and I think of I think avenged of of sort of two albums in in this in this list, and I don't think there's any there's any doubts over to the sort of the influence and what they laid like, the pathway to the sort of music that they've created and and once again Avenged Avenged don't really sound like anybody else and and this is one of the albums that really entrenched that and then set them apart from a lot of the other metal bands that were doing the same sort of thing at the same sort of time.
0: I actually prefer waking the Fallen to of even as me and you've discussed in private before. And, yes. that's, and that's because I feel like on Waking the Fallen, no pun intended here, but it's a bit more sinister. Yes. Whereas City of Evil, I feel like went a bit too classic hair metal, heavy metal 80s for me in areas. And I just I just really, really like Waking the Fallen's potency. Um, second heartbeat is just such an absolute fucking mm. geniusly written song. And Unholy Confessions, that chorus... With that, with that, those drums from the Rev just fucking beating in the background, amazing album. Um, but in my opinion, Avengers best. I've got a feeling that uh, City of Evil is going to come later around in this list
1: for you. It years. is. I
0: know how much you love that album. I but do. But I, I just, I just prefer Waking the Fallen just for its fucking veracity, and I, just, I think it came at the perfect time for Avengers as well. It really. Uh, we've discussed this before, but like when we were talking about our, you know, the four, you know, Bullet trivium, Avenged and Killswitch, and we thought those would be the uh, Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, and Anthrax yeah. of the modern day, and they didn't. It, they didn't end up being. Apart from Avenged,
1: yes, absolutely. And I, I
0: do think Waking the Fallen was a massive part of that. Uh, fantastic record.
1: I completely agree. I completely agree. Moving on up, uh, Ramstein Mutter. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah man um, um, now people think of people think of Rammstein as Duhast and nothing else but uh, Rammstein established himself as one of as pretty much the only incredible German export that has been able to to, to satisfy itself in metal as a headlining metal act all across Europe thanks to this album um, Son Ich Will Fryer Fry all on this album uh, the title track itself as well um, Rammstein really cornered the market on industrial style Um, mid-tempo heavy metal and they have such a unique instantly recognizable sound that is never better than on this album and i think it is um just by virtue of being able to break through into america and the uk despite singing in in german and never never compromising its sound or style is down to the power of the songs and Ramstein now have their own collective of, of maniacal fans that Europe and the world are over because of this album. This is their their triumph, this album.
0: Fantastic. Um yeah what's what's next?
1: 81, um Kill Switch Engage, End of Heartache. Oh boy. This is the this is the perfect metalcore album. It just is. Um one of the one of the the best one of the best viewed and widely respected metalcore bands that produce one of the most perfect metalcore albums that really captures a period um, like <sighs> Trivium might be heavier and Bullet might be um, slightly bigger and, and Avenged might be more intricate but Killstreet's Kils- 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 End of Heartache is just perfect. The, the title track Rose of Sharon um, there's just Thanks so well bid farewell thank you incredible incredible song um there's just so much to so much on this album to love from the intricacy to the harshness and nobody ever really i think ever got the balance of metalcore where you have the the heavy melodicness um mixed together better than than Killswitch engage on this album I, I think it's a triumph
0: i adore Killswitch engage i adore this album i think that you're absolutely right when you say it's it's probably like the perfect metalcore album there are areas where I, I prefer As Daylight Dies, and that's mainly because My Curse and This Fire are two of my favourite songs, like, period. Not just yeah. a Kill Switch Engage, like, my favourite song, so I have quite a strong affinity with As Daylight Dies, but I, I've got absolutely no problem with you, with you, anyone that would claim that End of Heartache is the best work because that really, really did capture a moment, and, man, you go from End of Heartache to As Daylight Dies... And that's one hell of a fucking uh, t- two album spread. Yeah, they're it really, a, really is, mate. They're a, they're a fucking man. It, it, it does feel like a real shame that Killswitch never fully, fully exploded. But maybe that's part of their charm, you know. Maybe the best thing about Killswitch is the fact that, like, if you're a Killswitch fan, you'll have that affinity. Like, you'll have that feeling of, oh, I wish they were bigger. And the same feeling for every single one of the fans as well. Do you know what I mean? Everyone yeah, everyone agreed. feels like they were they were the band that, that could be that should have been bigger than what they are. And that's not to just that they're not a big band like man, I think they've like played third at Download on head on main stage and sold out tours around the world, but when you I can imagine back in two thousand and four, you know, you listen to this album and you think, and this is it. These are the guys. Yeah, absolutely they're, they're gonna go and do it, they're gonna take metal into the next thirty years, never quite panned out what a fucking band now and what an album. And uh, what comes in at 80?
1: Bullet for Valentine, The Poison.
0: It's interesting that you put this slightly above end of Heartache. Um, as you probably alluded to earlier, obviously bullet sound, Bullet have got like a bigger sound at their best. I mean, Bullet now is, uh, this, is, is
1: completely different. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. This album was so good and so influential and sent shockwaves through the UK and and really Europe wide metal scene so much that if they'd have released this album again, like if there would have been a Poison two, or their follow up would have been as good as the Poison, Bullet for Valentine would be the biggest metal band in the UK. Yeah, that's how that's how good the Poison was because they immediately went from just like a random Welsh band that had had an EP. That was okay. Like Hand of Blood was on Need for Speed, and a Kerrang! Best of. Like, and they were starting to poke their head out. Then the Poison and Tears Don't Fall happened, and they were playing Brixton Academy for the ten thousand people. Like the next year, they were on the main stage at Download. They were on the on the front cover of Kerrang! And, and Metal Hammer, and they were getting like tours alongside Metallica in two thousand seven and stuff like that. If if their second album would have been as good or as influential as The Poison, then BB Bullet that would have headlined Download rather than Event Sevenfold in the UK because they had that sort of impact. We'd be we'd be saying about Architects, could they be as big as Bullet instead of could they be as big as Parkway or Metallica or whatever we might say? Yeah, Bullet Bullet could have Bullet could and should have taken a step, but that's how good The Poison was. You listen to that album again, and it's like. It's Metallica for the 21st century. That's how, that's how good it is in terms of like the giant core. It's perfect metalcore with the, with the modern chorus uh, with instantly sing-along recognisable riffs. Bullet made heavy seem really catchy. And to people that didn't like screaming songs and really, really heavy metal, couldn't help but sing along to Bullet because they had such a, a way with the chorus. Um, and it wasn't just Tears Don't Fall, like Four Words to Choke upons on this album, Cries in Veins on this album, room are in Four on this album. Um, all these things like how it revolve around you is on this album like it's it's it, honestly it's superb it, the the fact that this ascendancy um end of heartache uh, and and city of evil all came out in like the same year it, it is just extraordinary um but this is such a powerful powerful brilliantly written album listen to it from start to finish one time again just when you get a chance and you will be astonished at how every track is unskippable
0: I think for me, the greatest metric to determine just how important an album and great an album The Poison is, is the fact that really, that album alone gave Bullet From Valentine such a backbone for for albums that would follow, that would get nowhere near it. And what I mean by that is, Scream, Aim and Fire, Scream, Aim and Fire and uh, The Fever, uh, and sorry, it's just called Fever, are both good records, but The Poison... Was so good that even with those two records coming out that were just good, but it was still the biggest one, one of the biggest bands in Britain, simply yeah. because the Poison existed and made them so huge. So yeah, I, I back, I back, uh, the Poison being as high as it is, a really, really superb album, and <laughs> it's been like the thorn in Bullet's side, hasn't it? Because they've never, yeah. they've never got anywhere close to it again since, never got anywhere near it. Um, I don't think they ever would consider it a thorn because of how much money it would have made them and how much fame it got them, but they never got anywhere close to it again. Fantastic album, really superb achievement. I mean, for a debut full-length record that really came kind of out the block swinging in 2005, so absolutely uh, man, fucking tremendous choice. And last one on this would be 79.
1: That is correct, and it goes to Avenged Sevenfold "City of Evil."
0: Uh, right, okay. So we've already—I've already put my thoughts to it. So the floor is entirely yours again.
1: Yeah, as you've noticed, I've, I've bunched it together by period here. Yeah, uh, kill, kill switch, the bullet, and City of Evil. I'm guessing you can probably guess as a sneak preview whatever's next on the 2005 list, but I won't say any more <laughs> than that. Um, but um, I, I think City of Evil is one of the most intricately crazily written uh albums um I've ever heard that combines ri- roaring guitar with like operatic choruses and it's and again it's more than just the big big singles. You talk about City of Evil and you're like, oh yeah Beast and the Harlot Sees the Day. Um two of two of which by the way are some of the most um iconic and, and massive chorus songs that any metal band has ever released of the last yeah. sort of fifteen, twenty years. Like yeah. seize, seize the Day is like a properly legitimately great ballad. That if they played it live more often, there would have it would have really took off in a little bit more. "Breathing the Harlot" is just—it's it, incredibly catchy. You can't help but sing along to it, and it's just—you're right. Uh, with the with the it's almost like ridiculous with the with the with the key change and the massive guitar solos and just the the drum solos, everything—it's it's everything. Avenged Sevenfold is brilliant. It's like. It's just just played with such a pomp and circumstance. And you know what? Like, if you listen to it and uh, listen to Avenged, this entire album, um, my theory is that Avenged are the metal version of Queen in terms of their musical writing and the operatic element and like how complicated some of the songs are. And 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 this this album's there, like Night of the Opera. It, it, it is it is honestly astonishing. You listen, but you listen to like Back County as well. But you also you listen to M.I.A. And Sidewinder, where the song has a, just a normal metal song and it just stops halfway through and kicks into like a three and a half minute Latin guitar section where he has a guitar, Spanish guitar duel with his dad on the album. And then MIA has a Spanish guitar solo at the end of a nine minute metal song. And uh, on top of that, you got Blinded in Chains where I'm pretty sure the rev's legs feel, nearly fall off. <laughs> and it's very heavy and how like, fast paced it is, it's got everything. Absolutely everything. I think it is just a work of unassailable art at times, just with the complexity and, and the the, the pair of the chorus. I, I am I'm in love with this album.
0: Man, you almost sold me then. Honestly, I think honestly it actually, might be better than. Uh,
1: like on, honestly, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, if you just get man, get a chance. You've got those beautiful Beats headphones of yours. Put them on and just put stick this album on. If you've got like a long train journey, or, like an hour and a half to yourself, and just enjoy the musicianship. Because it, it just let it wash over you. Because it is astonishing. There'll be parts where you're looking at the song like, is this the same song I was listening to three and a half minutes ago? It is. It is amazing. Honestly, it is amazing.
0: I mean, I really like the record, and I, I, lo- I love Sidewinder and Caesar Day, as you mentioned, is an absolute banger. But I just, I just preferred waking the fallen's intensity. Uh, but, that's fair enough. But man. you know what? Uh, hearing how passionately you discussed, you described it there. I might just give it another go. Because, man, I fluctuate on what albums I prefer to others so much. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah i what one day I prefer Iowa and the next day I prefer the self-titled.
1: I was, it, you know, I was actually yeah. going to mention this the other day. I was listening to Iowa uh, again on the way home. Because I listened to the new Slipknot single, which we we'll discussed discuss later. And then, like, you know, when you just plays, And I was like, oh, I'll go back through the back catalog. And then I to Slipknot. And then it, I started getting to Iowa. And I was like, fuck me, man. People equal shit, disaster piece. Like, one after the other, it's really strong, that opening, is it?
0: Mate, it's fucking incredible. But, yeah,
1: but I'm with you, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it can it can depend on mood.
0: Literally, for me. It literally depends on mood, dummy. I mean. Mate, that was a, another astonishingly good list. I, I thank am fucking, you. I am fucking loving God for this, and you've cura- curated it so fucking brilliantly. Oh, thank you very much. I almost... I, I, I... I'm in the mood to go through more, but we won't do that because we've still got quite a fair bit to go through on this show. Of course. So up next, bro, is the new single from from our, from, the, from The Artist Murder, Human Target. It's actually yeah. the title a track from the new album, which out on July 26th. We're big advocates for The Artist Murder. We've discussed them a few times on this podcast. Uh, we both interviewed a member for uh, You Did It For Noise and I did it for a separate publication when we saw them on yes. Parkway Drive and what well, a time that was. Indeed. So, new album, out uh, in literally two months and a, and a and change. And f- f- I'll put it to you first. When you press play here, what were you expecting? Honestly, this. Yeah, same. Okay, yeah. We're about, we're about from the same wavelength there. Um, I actually think Death Perception, which is the last song they released, is a better song just a personal thing there
1: yeah I, I completely agree i thought it was it was it was faster it was more intense um this felt i know it sounds really strange talking about the murder in this way but the, this felt a little bit tame like it felt a little bit like it's stuck in third gear and i know it, it i don't know it, it just there was no point like thought murder like there's, there's got to be a point that makes me want to commit a violent act <laughs> yeah there, ha- there has to be i'm i'm sorry. And this this was just like yeah was just plodding along, chorus heavy riff chorus heavy riff heavy riff again. But there was no like change of tempos or bright. Nothing kept me guessing. It it just felt like a if you put this out al- this song on height it would just be an album track.
0: Yeah, they this seemed to mimic death metal now more than anything else. Yes, that I've picked up, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because they have conquered me- their death core. yeah, let's just call a Spider-Spade. So, yeah. you know, branching into other areas, okay. But that, th- this would probably be Mouse Band's heaviest song. But because yeah. of what has preceded for The Otter's Murder, when I'm pressing play, I'm, I'm really hoping that they've, they've ripped the spine from my body. Which doesn't happen on doesn't happen on this track, and they have uh, uh-huh. they have mentioned that they have kind of teased that yeah. there, will, there will be there will be some melodic sections. <laughs> I'm gonna, I
1: can't I can't wait to write disappointing lack of spine ripping <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the review of the album. Spinal fluids remained zero out of ten. <laughs> They've kind of suggested there will be some melodic singing on a new record. Now that could be as simple as like ten seconds in a couple of tracks, or it could be. You know, suicide silence. We don't know at this point. I guess for me, when you know, when I was speaking, um, to, when, when I was when I was putting my questions together, for like oh, I was thinking to myself. So they're in a stick or twist scenario right here because they've conquered yeah. deathcore, and the last album, Dear Desolation*, kind of went into more death metal than anything else, and they did it really well. Um, like Puppet Master is an absolute fucking bang. It's one of their best songs I think they've ever written. And yeah, we saw I, them, we, we saw them on that tour, and we were like, this is fucking great, man. They've they've really got their audience now down, even though they're branching in, in slightly different areas. But I thought to myself, um, for a band of that is murder, I don't know what their what their end goal is. What what they're thinking of, what they're thinking of coming, or what or what they want to be really, and to be honest, they didn't seem to know either really. Like when I was asking, they were like, you know, like, oh well, we'll see what happens, and we take each day as it comes. I haven't really got a plan all that kind of stuff. So I guess what they're doing is they're going to go into the studio and just rowling with it, which could go. It could that, work positive. Is... It could work positively. It could work negatively as well.
1: Now I I understand that, but I. I agree that it could work work either either way. Is it a good thing that a band that has produced four or five albums that sound very similar to each other, very, very good, but very similar to each other, is just letting it flow again for number five and six? Wouldn't you want them to be like, you know what? Let's have a think about where our direction's going. Let's have a think about the parapet we want to break out of. Like, like, CJ mentioned famously when he got back in, like, we just don't make enough money. Um, I want to make more money. Um, I want to do this, I want to do that. And, and, and the band are like, make death metal great again. We want to be the, the, the bench setters, the things that death metal's measured on and, and, and break into like bigger metal acts and all that sort of stuff. But you're not going to do that. And I, and I mean this with the greatest respect to Thy art, and I do love their material. But they're not going to do that if they just tweak a bit, keep it going. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like, good is the enemy of great. Do you know what I mean? If they're going to keep going like, oh, that that sounds like Thy art, then they're, they're going to be releasing, you know what I mean? 500,000 streaming albums for the same 500,000 death metal fans every two years, aren't they?
0: Well, yeah. And when I spoke to Andy, Andy Marsh, the guitarist, you know, I put it to him like, so, so what do you guys want to be? He was like, we don't really want to be anything. We just want to be the artist murder. And, you know, we go in the studio and, whatever comes comes and I was surprised to be honest I assumed, you know you listen to the formula of the murder and you would assume that that is very much planned but he made it seem like it very much is not and it's just that's just an organic flow that creates through the record and I think the drummer said the same thing to you as well yeah he did so as you sit here and I'm listening to human target and it doesn't seem like it's as intense as the his murder have created before I'm thinking to myself I hope they don't make this a halfway house if they're, not, if, they're yeah. if they're planning on not being as intense as before, then go with it, man. Don't try and give me fifty of each, because I, I'm very much a person of, oh man, you love those men and you'd like hate. Go listen to hate, do you know what I mean? Because yeah, I, like, I agree that it, it was it was it was their best album. Well, actually, I, I fluctuate between that and uh, Holy War, but it was up there as a, either their best or second best album. And there is only so far you can take it, man. Like man, I love at the gates. But if you're not into death metal, you've never heard of them. I completely agree. So it'll be interesting. I'm very, very interested to see what this album sounds like.
1: Me, and me too. I, 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 because the thing is as well, I could do like you know, Lamb of God were like, we're gonna do a bit of singing, and I was like, oh dear lord, let's make sure Lamb of God don't sound like pierce the veil. Yeah. Um, but they really sang on one song, and it was like a little bit of it, it maybe. You know what this sounds like the murder might just be dipping a toe into the 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 bath of 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 melody, but if they do what suicide silence have done after tearing them apart and then i would be very surprised and, and wear those hats with make death metal great again and then all the insult and then they go out and produce but then they, I, I can't see it myself, but if that happens, dear lord,
0: <laughs> yeah it would be a bit well, not a bit bit massively hypocritical but I, I can't see it coming this is a perfectly Good death metal song, but yeah. when The Artist Murder release a new song, I'm usually on hooks. This, <laughs> yeah. this, this didn't get me there. But you know what? There's another 10 songs to come. So, you know, me and you don't try don't like to discount albums just from the of first single. Uh, it's not. a good single. I'm interested. I hope the album fucking blows me away. But I've got to say, it's the least excited I've been for The Artist Murder albums since I got into them a few years ago.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Speaking of things that I am very, very excited about, Sam. Yes. Brand new Slipknot.
1: Now, yes, talk th- to me. Th- now,
0: there was a new Slipknot a few months ago, um, a track called All Out Life, but All Out Life is not going to play a part on the new album called We Are Not Your Kind out on August 9th. Now, I just want to preface this. Uh, li- we're recording this now, and literally an hour before we press play, uh, news broke that Gabrielle Crayon... Uh, has passed away at the age of 22. Yeah, I did
1: see that. That is horrible. Which is is
0: absolutely awful. Uh, Obviously, our thoughts go to Sean, a.k.a. Clown. Horrible thing for him to be going through. I mean, that really is horrendous. Really Um, horrendous. I I was considering not talking about the signal thing at all because it just felt like really bad timing, but I guess... I guess, you know... (laughs) We'd be doing them a disservice by not talking about this banging new song they've released. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, 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 to, I agree. Just wanted to uh, put my thoughts with uh, Clayton, because that is a really horrendous thing for him to go through. And they said they, wanted you, they want the fans to respect the privacy at this time, which you absolutely would expect and will be respected as well. But going on to the actual song itself, before we get into that, uh, what do you think of the new masks? And also, do they really matter to you, the masks?
1: They, they don't really matter to me. I I, I, I like them to wear them. As long as they continue to wear them, I don't care what they actually look like. Um, that be- only, the only only reason that I say that is because have you Christian? I'm guessing the answer's to no, because I hope that it is no. Have you seen the video to "Lick It Up" by Kiss?
0: <laughs> Funnily enough, I was going to mention Kiss. Oh, good. Because Kiss, you know, imagine in 1973, you see Kiss with makeup on. You're like, "What the fuck are these guys wearing makeup?" Man, let's laugh at these guys. And then the makeup be ends up being like that. <laughs> They're like absolute number one identifier, and then they remove the makeup.
1: Precisely, uh, they did a tour and a few songs where they removed the makeup, Chris. And I, I, I could have lived my life happily having never seen what Gene Simmons <laughs> actually looks like underneath makeup, <laughs> because there's a video from Lick It Up, and they're walking down the street as the camera pans upwards, almost identically like that B G's video, right, and. Honestly, um, it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, and I, and I mean this with the greatest disrespect to Kiss, who are one of the greatest and biggest rock bands of all time. Um, but, 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 Gene, but Gene Simmons looks like he would be kicked out of Primark for sniffing women's underwear. He looks like a sociopath. <laughs> like, he just looks horrendous. Um, so I don't ever want to see Slipknot without the mask because then it stops being Slipknot.
0: Absolutely. And I'm not suggesting that I think they should take the masks off. I was just, I was going to bring kissing as the caveat too. Hey, you know, one day they did remove the makeup. And it was dreadful for all involved. <laughs> <laughs> but for the masks, right. Yes. There's this, I've seen a few people talking online about like, they don't like Corey's new mask. Now I will say that uh, Corey's new mask, it is odd, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, a informed. It's it's just literally, like, a grey cover for his face, really. Like, there's, there's not a lot to it. And Mick Thompson's literally had the same mask <laughs> for 20 years. Like, he's never had a, a, Like, But imagine disagreeing with Mick Thompson. Imagine they're, like, they're going to go, Mick, we'd like you to have a new mask. No. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Mick. You he, he, can... ta- he probably talks like Darth Vader, doesn't he? And he's fucking huge as well, so... <laughs> yeah, he can, he, he can do what he likes to do. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Root, literally, his mask is the same as the Grey chapter, but this time he's just got, like, a, a part of the mouth removed for about a third piece of the mouth removed. So the mask don't seem to have deviated much. And I've seen people, like, really, like, criticising the mask thing, and I'm like, well, as long as they've got them on, does it really fucking matter? Not,
1: not, to, like, me, not to me. I when mean... I
0: see Slipknot a download next month, I am not going to be standing there paying attention to what fucking mask Corey Tyler is wearing. As long as he's got it on so it's
1: part of the aura of Slipknot.
0: I don't give a fuck. even difference does it make?
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a great set list, but really I'd have preferred if his jumpsuit was actually light maroon. Rather yeah, than... you see what I mean?
0: It's fucking bullshit. I was it just, I was just seeing if you, I was just seeing if you cared about the style of the masks.
1: Not in the slightest. Just keep in on. Because the thing is, man, I ain't, I ain't the one that's got to wear this fucker for two and a half hours a night. Are you? Um, and as long as it's like... Weird and a little bit scary, and and then, then that's fine because the the, the members are, are are identifiable by the types of masks they wear as well, like yes. Sid with the school lookalike one, Mick Thompson with the like the, the creepy night thing he's got going on, um, like there's a Joker element to to Jim Roots, isn't there, and all that sort of stuff. So. I like all of that. I like the fact that they have their own identity that's consistent. Because if you use the Kiss example, they didn't change their makeup. They just took it off for a horrifying 18-month period. And then it <laughs> went back to it again. Honestly, Chris, watch the video. <laughs> I'll insist that you do so. And if not, we'll watch it during pre-drinks next time I see you. Because it is hilarious and horrifying. There's a moment where he looks up at the screen. He looks like Gollum out of the Two Terrors when he's got the fish in his mouth.
0: Fucking hell.
1: Oh, it's terrifying. Anyway... As long as they wear them, I don't care what they look like.
0: I'm glad we agree on that. So, uh-huh, new I'd track, like Sam, Unsainted, one of the album, one of the songs on the album, We Are Not Your Kind. I'm fucking digging this song, mate, are you?
1: Yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> I love it. it it's, it's fucking brilliant. I, I'm so excited. It, it's fantastic for a band who so have been going as long as Slipknot, you know, 20 years, and... With the intensity that's not used to withhold, and that seemed to wither away a little bit come the grey chapter, yeah. For them to for them to roar back with this, is
1: uh, it's, I, it's I, just I got, fucking superb. I got a few goosebumps when I heard
0: the choir because I was like, oh, "This feels special." Yeah, man, you just you had that like ominous feeling that Corey's
1: about to rip the shit out of this in a moment. But like, it was it was like it, it felt like all right. No, it sounds really stupid because like you say, well, obviously, but it, it felt like they were really working on what the song sounded like rather than just. Oh, we'll just put a few tunes out. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like so brilliantly put together. And and Jim
0: has said, actually, sorry to interrupt, but Jim has oh, said that, that this is the longest they've ever had to write a record and proper work stuff out together, which I think is instantaneously noticeable uh, in the rec- in the actual song.
1: I completely agree. And um, I, 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 I thought Clown was blow-off the outing, but when the riff kicks in, it is Iowa-esque. It is now. Does that I, break down in the middle as well with the and with the with the clanging and that's that's very early era Slipknot.
0: Right now, I am going to in a moment deviate from that and just uh, be devil's advocate with you. But I'll yeah, sure, let you, I'll, I'll let you continue with your uh, critical analysis unless that was pretty much your thoughts.
1: I, I was I was saying that I said, essentially, yeah. I think it's I think it's I think it's a, think it's a brilliant return to form. I think it's uh, I think the chorus is big. I think I love the quiet element. I like the heaviness. I like the guitar tone. Um, I think. I think Weinberg on drums. I think he's brilliant. He's superb. He is superb. He's not as he's not as technical or as flamboyant as Joey Jordison was, but I don't think anybody is. So I, that's fine. Unless I heard Chris Adler, I don't I don't think there'd be a comparable sort of figure there. But um, just overall, I thought it was sensational. I, I enjoyed Corey Taylor's return to real screaming, yeah, um, like the real deep growls that he'd done before, not the sort of in between stuff that he'd done where he kind of sounds like he's just angry rather than like bone-wrenchingly furious and i'm and I'm liking the return to the anger there and i think overall it just sounds like a really good modern metal song as well like it doesn't sound aged at all and it sounds really silly but sometimes you listen to new new metal um, new metal songs from older metal bands and it sounds just like of a time because that's the songs that they wrote from those sort of periods this doesn't sound like that and it sounds like it's not still sort of got the finger on the pulse of what makes a a really big song, and I think this is a, I think this is a great step.
0: Couldn't agree more. I fucking love this song. Mick, Mick Thompson's one of my favourite guitarists on earth, mate. His riffs on this, they are fucking punishing.
1: Yeah, they really are.
0: He is just an absolute fucking beast. Um, I, I love Corey on it. His uh, melodic tone in the chorus is is fantastic. What I was gonna just deviate from, is that I've seen the criticisms as you know they're not a massive band so there will be criticisms because that's the internet and that's uh, human nature but the problem with when they say this is the heaviest thing we've done since iowa and this there are moments on this album that is as heavy as iowa etc is that when i pressed play on this song there was a part of me i couldn't help it because of what they said there was a part of me that thought this is going to sound like i am hated I couldn't, I, I, as I was pressing play, I thought, it, I, 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 most of me was thinking, Ooh. it's not It's not going to sound like I am hated, but as I, as I pressed play, I couldn't help but have the hope that it was going to sound like I am hated, which, it, it, it's not as intense, because of course it's not, because they're in their fucking mid-40s now. But the problem with when you say it's the heaviest thing we've done since Iowa is that there are people that will press play and if it doesn't sound like I am hated, then they're like, what the fuck? You said it was going to sound like Iowa, man. This is fucking bullshit. And they're going to forget the fact that the album's going to have another 13, 14 songs. And they also are going to forget that this song was coinciding with a performance on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Now Slipknot aren't one of a, aren't much of a band to be like, oh we'll make a nice song because you know we don't want to offend anyone because Slipknot will do what what Slipknot want to do. But they are a business as well, and they would have known full well that they wouldn't want to put. They wouldn't want to release the heavy song on this album now because they wouldn't want to play that on a live setting because they're trying to make as much dollar as they can by bringing potentially more people in to buy the record. So why would they release that uh, the heavy song now? But interesting when and as much as I love the song because they because they're it with this this is some of this is Iowa levels. I was going in as I mentioned thinking I hope this sounds like I am hated, which of course. Oh, I mean, the guitar tone in parts is like, this is this, it does mimic Iowa, but it can't be recreated, not at this point, it's it's too long in the tooth now. Iowa was done literally 20 years ago. Well, nearly 20 years ago. And for anyone that's still clamoring for Iowa, I'm like, mate, fucking get out of it, man. It's fucking two decades ago. If you loved Iowa so much, go listen to it. As a well, teacher, yeah, exactly. As I mentioned mention with Artie's Murder. Because Iowa is absolutely fucking phenomenal. Yes, it is. And it broke down so many walls for Slipknot. But you, it's so unfair. If when, if when this album comes out, We Are Not Your Kind, it, it's unfair for you to listen to it and be thinking they're going to recreate Iowa, because no, they're not. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> they're not going to. I'd be absolutely amazed if we're sitting here in three months saying, holy shit, this does sound like Iowa. This is another weird Yeah, I would, I would. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It's, it, it's somewhat like, mm, it's somewhat like with Metallica thinking, oh, I hope they do another injustice for all. No, they won't. <laughs> it's, no. It, it won't happen. No, I completely agree. I don't let that take away from how much I love the song and how much I think this is a fantastic fantastic direction for Slipknot to move into.
1: This is the best song Slipknot could have come out with at this point.
0: Absolutely. I was going to say literally. This is the best case scenario for what this single would have sounded like. That's literally where I was going. That this is the best case scenario for the for the point of that in their careers and it's just it's just a, a fine point liner on what fantastic songwriters they are. This, this same song right is fucking, live as
1: well. This yeah, one.
0: this will sound fantastic live. This song is fucking fantastic and
1: I cannot wait for this album. Yeah, me neither. I'm incredibly excited. This is a, a lovely teaser. And also, Slipknot tease albums like nobody else. Yeah. Their, They're their, pro, their promo work is sensational with all the videos and the, the website. Needs, but yeah, brilliant.
0: I'm really glad we're both into it, and I'm really glad we're both looking forward to We Are Not Your Kind as much as we are. I think that album could be our uh, album of the year, taker.
1: I think so. it has a real chance of that.
0: Album reviews, Sam?
1: Yes, please.
0: Right, okay, so we're going to start uh, with our mate Kev's recommendation for Frank Carter and the Rattlesnake's End of Suffering. Uh, Sam, did you like Gallows?
1: Yeah, a bit, a bit.
0: Never really um, checked them out myself by the time I was into that type of music. Belly the Sharks," a bit of a they, They'd kind of already dissipated, really, yeah. by the time that I was in an area where I could have stumbled across them. But... I remember I was at Reading and Leeds a few years ago and Frank Carter was there. And I knew who he was. I knew he was, like, fr- like from Gallows and-, and what kind of character he was. But his set, it was fucking crazy, man. Like... He, he, he threw a GoPro into the crowd and he was like, I don't give a fuck if you break it. Just like, kick, like beat the shit out of each other on film for my enjoyment. <laughs> um, and it was really cool and I was like, right, okay. Because I'd heard a lot of people say that his debut album was really good as well. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to go and check this out. And you know what? His debut album is fucking great. I really love his... Um, just a venomous intensity on that album. He's, he's fucking... I, I was really into it. Um, and for this... I've got a weird analogy here. I don't know whether you're going to be into it. We'll see. Okay. Where Blossom was like this raging kind of characteristic explosion of what Sam Carter, what what Frank Carter could do on his own. I feel like this album is like an amalgamation of an Arctic Monkeys discography.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel similar.
0: Right. The The first song, Why Butterfly Can't Love a Spider, Crowbar and Love Games, I feel like they could have been on AM.
1: Yeah. Whereas like your is.
0: kitty sucker and anxiety, I feel like they could have slipped easily onto five. It worst nightmare.
1: Completely agreed.
0: So, for, for me, like, and that's—I don't mean that's a negative, by the way. No, of course. Because I think this is a good record, and I think this is a really Pretty good. good uh. I, I think this is a really good example of Frank Carter's creative vision because this is very different to Blossom. Indeed. Blossom, Blossom is is like your withering beast in the woods of just fucking anger and and like kind of like t- pent up aggression, whereas this is it's very much more open and an emotional look into like Frank Carter's tale of his uh, career. Yes, and there's some excellent songwriting here. The song on the title track, which is the final song on the album, it is really excellent, I've got to say, because it's, it's completely different to everything else on the record. It, it just kind of drops in at the end, and you're like, oh, what's this? And it's, it's, it's the title track, and it flows completely differently to everything else, but still with uh, fantastic poignancy. And I think that... I, I kind of feel like indie is kind of a boring genre in this day and age. I mean, I feel like if you're an indie fan, you're probably still listening to Oasis because yeah, yeah. because no-one new and interesting has come in anywhere near that level. Arctic Monkeys flirted with the idea, but they kind of withered away. Not in terms of size, they're so fucking huge, but I mean in terms of quality of album. But I feel like in frank Cars, if you're into indie music, I feel like you could really hang your hat on this guy to potentially make a real fucking difference in this genre. I was really impressed by this album, Sam.
1: Honestly, I, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I thought it was... I thought it was. I think it's really, really, really well written. Um, and hasn't Frank Carter got a really surprisingly brilliant voice? Hasn't he just like outside of the the intensity stuff? And you, but he's got like a real swagger and charisma and soul to some of his tunes. And and I I I really enjoyed this. I'm just having a, having a flick through my notes, having a look now. It starts off and it does feel like Arctic Monkeys. Um, it's like he, he's just got a great voice over the top of it though. This is the this is the album that Yumi at Six wanted to make.
0: Yeah, uh, the Night People—that album that really sucked—that you absolutely bang on, Actually, you know, this is, this, what, they this is, this is what
1: they wanted to, to do. This is what they wanted it to sound like. Frank Carter's pulled it off.
0: That's a fantastic analogy. That is
1: yeah. Um, you see, I thought I thought Heartbreaker and Crowbar were the highlights. I thought they were look like, really musical, um, really brilliantly written. Uh, his voice is really powerful. It's really personable. Um, you can. It is Danny Wallstop-esque in the sense that he draws you into what he's writing about. Like, I felt that his lyrics were really, really well written. I thought that they were like I used like I enjoyed some of his metaphors, I enjoyed some of his his, his writing ability. I thought some of the images he was presenting in some of his his writing was was really, really profound. I thought I thought he's he's clearly the star of the band, but I thought there was some real the real nice riffs that really complement what he's trying to do. I think I heard a variety of stuff here. I heard a bit of monkeys, I heard a bit of um Soundgarden and White Stripes I heard a little bit of grunge like in love games it it, it sounded like he was just like playing in like a blues bar at times um and, and all, all the while showing off his his ability his ability to sing his ability to lead a band his ability to to write memorable lyrics and, and and come across really personally I thought that it tailed off near the end and then it got brought back by the title by the by the track at the end um so I thought really could have been ten songs rather than twelve. Um but I thought overall it's um a really, really incredible and in, an impressive um and collection of of, of songs and, and, and skills from uh, from from Frank Carr. And I I had little to no knowledge of, of his music going in, to be honest. I knew from gallows, I knew a little bit here and there that I'd heard accidentally, really from somebody um, from other people and things like that. But this is my first real depth into it, and I must say I'm a bit of a fan now. I really enjoy this. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a brilliant singer songwriter. I think, like, like most, um, like most things in rock and roll, um, drugs and personal tragedy often produce really great music, and I think this is no, no exception because I think what he's been through is really entrenched in what he's actually written, and I, I really like that title track at the end, the final track at the end, where there's that brief clip of it. I'm assuming that's his child. Um, sort of laughing at the end of the song. Um, I thought that was a nice little emotive hit. I, I, I really, I really really enjoyed this, honestly. I, I, I think this is a superb album. Really well written.
0: I think this is exactly what's needed as well. It's nice for people that have come from the scene that he has to be able to show off this kind of charisma and this kind of um, musical attitude that allows him to sound the way he does on Blossom and then come out with an album like this as well, which goes in a completely different direction, but it suits him down to the ground as well, I've got to say. And I I do feel like, man, this gives Frank Carter... If this... I don't know why NME... I I I don't really follow NME, but...
1: Um, why, aren't, it,
0: why, are, why aren't they why all over are why, are, why aren't they all over this guy? Because he is the guy that the, indie has been waiting for. There was that Jake Bug guy that kind of came on the scene. I don't know what happened to him. He kind of whittled away. But he, Frank Carter, this album, not not so much Blossom, and Modern Ruin i never actually listened to, believe it or not. But yeah. Bl- Blossom would probably be a bit too much for indie fans. But this album... Man, enemies should be putting their honestly, whole hats on it's him.
1: It's brilliant. If, if, if you're an indie music fan as well, I, I heard loads of great music here. I heard a bit of White Stripes, a bit of Strokes, and then on top of that, he is such a charismatic and brilliant vocalist. I, I, I honestly, I, this is a uh, this is brilliant. I agree. They should be really opting for this quite quite regularly.
0: Thank you, Mr. Russell, for your recommendation. Oh,
1: absolutely! Shout to you, uh, Sam. Let's drop a score on this. I'll let you go first. I give it an eight out of ten. If it was um, if it was two tracks short, I'd give it an eight and a half. Gonna go seven me. I enjoyed
0: it a bit less than you, but I still think it's a very solid, good indie record. Uh, came from left field for me; wasn't expecting it, and I really enjoyed listening to it. Uh, if you're into indie music, holy shit, man, you'd have a fucking time listening to this.
1: Completely agreed.
0: And to round off uh, this week's episode, Sam, heart of a coward, the disconnect. So I started with Frank Carter. So I'll drop this to you. Uh, the fourth record, bro. What are you thinking? Um, I enjoyed this.
1: Um, I, I now, just just having a, having a look through again. I, I I thought it was a I thought it was a very good album. I thought it was very consistent. Um, I thought it was really heavy. I thought it was really well written. I thought the choruses were big. But it it's apart from collapse, nothing really stood out. Um, I thought I thought um, there was there's there's, there's collapse and um, the seventh track uh, which forgive me I'll just have a quick look at what the the uh, the track listing actually is. Um, there's uh, the seventh one. Return is to, dust. to dust. Return the to dust. The, the, the yeah, the quiet one. one. Um, that was where that I listened to that and I loved collapse. And I love I loved a few of the other tracks off it just to how how big it was, um, but but that one made me sort of turn my head around. Um, but I, overall, I thought it was. A bit samey. I'll, I'll be honest. It was it was it was appropriately heavy. Um, There was a bit that sounded like bits that sounded like Northland. Some of the some of the some of the tracks were really really huge, and pummeling. Um, but overall, I thought it was sort of third gearish. I, I never really thought it it shook me and took me in a direction that that I was really sort of surprised by. I thought it, I think it's a good solid metal album, but I don't think it does a lot more than that. How about you?
0: Uh, basically, you've echoed a lot of what I've written here. Um, what, one thing I did want to say is that uh, the guitarist Carl Oyers and uh, Steve Haycock yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I love the recording of this album because the rhythm guitar on this is given such fucking emphasis it literally yeah. f- it literally, f- it literally feels yeah, it's like well it's <laughs> well <laughs> mixed fucking clanging you on the head with yes. every song but f- for me I think the biggest problem in this album is they blow their wad on Collapse
1: because yeah, Collapse is such yeah. a fantastic
0: huge anthemic metalcore song And the album never quite touches that that level of of just kind of over-roaring atmosphere. The chorus on Collapse, I can't really speak enough about it. It's it's fucking fantastic. And the problem is that the Collapse was released ages ago. So I'd listened to it so many times before this album. So when I'm going in, I see Collapses on there. I'm thinking, man, I hope "Collapse" isn't the best song because I've already heard it loads.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there are a couple of other decent songs. I think Parasite's good. It's nice and thrashy. And I think think the track after it, which is called Culture of Lies, has got a really nice lead guitar riff on it that sort of um, floats in and out really, really lovely. But everything else, it's like it's... It's the same. So it's even the same tempo, isn't it? Yeah, the tempo like, is very. It is just, very much. By, of it. by 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 track by track six, um, which was senseless. I was like, well, this just sounds like in the wake, which sounds like culture of lies, which sounds like a B type version of collapse, and it, it just they've written the same song nine times and one banger and one ballad. I didn't really dig the breakdown in sense thus though as a fucking absolute. Yeah, uh, the absolutely, down. absolutely. But they were like, there was a couple of mo- there were a couple of moments, aren't there, where they deviate from the norm, and everything else is. Oh, I don't care. we a good band. Don't get me wrong. They're 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 gonna they're they're gonna, they're gonna they'll fit any metal bill. Um, but I wanted I wanted this to do a bit more.
0: I've got to say, I felt the same. Um. Going in, I was hoping that they could potentially do something that would blow me away. Now, it's, it's worth mentioning this is their first album with a new frontman, Korn to San. So whether this is just a fitting in period, and maybe the the, the real creative explosion is yet to come. Yeah, perhaps. Obviously, obviously maybe you know we'll see. But I, I was when I, I, when I was going, in thinking this could make a real difference outside of like two or three tracks on here. I can't see... that. There's no game changer for this band on this album. No. Because Collapse has already been out for a while. So I was a bit disappointed, but when you break it all down together, as you've mentioned, this is a good, solid metalcore album. And the thing is, is that apart from that, I haven't really got a lot more else to say about it, do you know what I mean? Like, this doesn't really elicit much of a response
1: from me. I don't It's a, mean that... it's a, bit, it's a bit nondescript, isn't it? In terms yeah. of sense of what... Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you throw out all the, the buzzwords you know like heavy and, and and powerful and big it doesn't really do anything else
0: yeah um i, feel, I don't make it's say we're giving them too much of a tough time because this is a good this is a good metalcore album and if, yeah. if you if you're into Heart of a Coward 6 months ago you'll still be into Heart of the Coward after this
1: yeah but we've been me- treated to a lot of really great metal over the last 18 months
0: yeah and, and I, I, I was it, hoping for a game changer here and it, it, we don't get one
1: yeah, I think that's I think that's all it is. I think you're looking at what some of, some of these other metal bands are doing, um, really sort of trying to change the scene and keeping things interesting and stuff like that, and really blowing you away with some of the some of the songs that they're writing. And I think Heart of the Coward um aren't haven't necessarily done that on this album. I just I, I just think I just don't think it, this is it at all. So Collapse is a great song. Collapse is fucking superb. On um, Collapse. Uh, but but they, they, need to, they need to write like six more of those or they'll be supporting the bands that we're talking about.
0: I'm going to give this a seven because I don't want to contradict myself. This is a good metalcore album. Check this out. I, I think uh, the, their current fans will still like it. Um, but for me, I was just having for a little bit more, Sam.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree, but I'm, I'm a little bit harsher. I'll go 6.5 just simply because, again, outside, outside of Collapse, it's just I think it just trundles along. And that—that's my review of that. Unfortunately, I think it just—I <laughs> think it just stays in its lane, and I wish it—I wish it deviated a bit more.
0: So that's it for this episode of the Noise Podcast. Uh, a little bit shorter than usual, which some of the, which some of you, listeners might be uh, relieved at. Just the one which... hour in eleven minutes. <laughs> Usually we go for like an hour and thirty, bordering two. Um, on the next episode, I will have been to all points east, where I'll be seeing employed to serve she soup. Sleep- while she leaves architects and bring with the horizon uh, i am fucking excited for that i will also have been to see make them suffer as well uh, so we'll be talking about those live reviews uh, as well as that uh, sam there was a surprise drop biffy clara album on friday which i did not oh which, great <laughs> which we would already had two albums that we were reviewing so i wasn't going to do a third one but just going to let you know that we'll be reviewing the biffy clara album on the next episode
1: oh i'll be sure to make myself myself (laughs) ill for that thank you
0: (laughs) for some reason you're not a fan we will go into detail on that in the next episode where we might actually end up fighting who knows man maybe that'll be part of maybe part of the podcast will be (laughs)
1: will be
0: silence for 30 minutes while I travel to your house and then they'll hear nothing but crashing and banging and walloping
1: (laughs) i can't i can't i can't wait because honestly of all the of of all the one of the three or four things that i would fight a man out of the biffy cloro is definitely (laughs) (laughs) definitely definitely up there i think
0: com for your merch, uk. go there for your uh, latest news and reviews on the bands that you love, on the bands you haven't found out about yet. That is it for episode 11 of the Noise podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye.